Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. Hey everyone! I'm Andrew Steyer. I'm Eric Martinez. And today we have special guest Jill Young, which we are really excited. I have her muted right now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Jill, stop. Don't speak. Don't speak, Jill. First of all, Jill did uh, improv with us. She made this awesome movie, which I saw called Dear Leo, which has just finished its film festival run and had its premiere at the Inside Out LGBTQ Film Festival in Toronto. She is one of the masterminds the main mastermind behind the UT Bell's Twitter account uh, for any of my longhorns out there. Not anymore, though. She has passed that down. And also, she's a lesbian, <laughs> which... <laughs> if, if you want to know one thing, take that. <laughs> take that info. Um, Jill Jill and I, uh, we shared a womb together. Uh, fun fact. We are brother, brother and sister. We are uh, life partners also. Uh, we kiss a lot. <laughs> And what? it's not it's not weird, so don't make it weird actually. <laughs> All right, let's call her on stage. Welcome Jill. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> they made me hold my breath that whole time. Stop. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to be back with my um life and womb partner, Eric, and <laughs> <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about But I'm a Cheerleader, which is really exciting. But first, Jill, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? What's the gayest thing I've done this week? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I roller skated a marathon. I feel like that is pretty queer vibes. Yeah. I mean, definitely specifically lesbian. <laughs> let's, specifically let's be honest. Lesbian. I wore rollerblades and I made a playlist and it, I had to start at 3 a.m. because we skated before the runners took off. 3 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. So we started skating at 3 a.m. The runners leave at 7 and so they close the track at 7 and so we had to be done by then. And were you? Yeah, baby. I'm By 7 a.m. Did you go home? Did you eat a massive meal and then go home and sleep? I tried, but I couldn't eat anything because I was so exhausted. So I went home and I slept and then I got a massage. Mm. And then I had a milkshake. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. This was in LA. Uh, Jill is LA based. City of Angels, City of Dreams. Yes, yes, yes. We started in Chinatown and ended in Santa Monica. Okay, how far is that? It's 26.4 miles. 26.2. Oh 26.2. Um, I skated an extra 0. 0.2 miles. Did I mention Okay. <laughs> so then don't, don't call it a marathon. Call it more. <laughs> I'm okay. trying to help you, Queen. <laughs> Gosh, that's amazing. What was the... First, okay, was this like organized by an organization or what was this? Yeah, shout out, to, uh, shout out to at LA Skate Honeys. It's my skate group out here. Hello. We meet up every Thursday. And then um, there's a lot of other skaters too that came out. There's a pretty thriving roller skate and rollerblading community out in LA. Highly recommend. Oh, really? That's sick. What was the crowd like at this? And like in the group in general, is it a lot of lesbians or is it more like mixed? I'd say there's, I'd say there's a lot of queers. Um, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> you know as well as I do, we're all queer here. <laughs> um, but I not not explicitly lesbians. I, I'd say it's it's kind of similar to sort of hippie vibes types of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But do you feel like it like helps you feel connected to your like queer community? I think so for sure, especially outdoor active queer people, and also I just feel like a lot of queer spaces are like historically centered around you know drinking or drugs 
vibes and like I love that I love mm-hmm. going out and partying with the gays but I also like having community spaces that are like recreational and or like healthy and that kind of stuff and so that's something that I find really positive about it oh no yeah definitely I could write a whole essay about that just how so many of the spaces where queer people can find each other are also spaces that are centered around yeah as you said drinking drugs sex and like what impact mm-hmm. that has on us so I love when we like create these queer spaces that are apart from that and it feels more like sustainable that way too you know like I'm gonna go out and get some exercise and hang out with friends and I'm not gonna feel terrible after so yeah um, yeah exactly all right Eric Martinez what was the gayest thing you done this week the gayest thing I've done and you know I'm nothing if not consistent oh no did you go to another Broadway show I went to another this was an (laughs) off-Broadway show off-Broadway play (laughs) But when I tell you the gayest play I've ever seen in my life. What? Oh, really? It was a, a play called To My Girls. It's off Broadway right, right now. It was about this group of gay men who rented out a like condo in Palm Springs. And they're like a broken friend group. There's just like a lot of different dynamics. And it was them sort of reuniting to fix all the friendships they had. But it was like so gay. There was lots of like wigs and lip syncing and lots of sleeping with other people in the friend group. It was just oh. very like... <laughs> God, it's the gayest thing I've ever seen. And I loved it. It was fun. It was fun. That's amazing. Was it a musical or a, a play? It was a play, which okay. some might say is gayer than musicals. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that uh, is a debate. Uh, comment below. <laughs> comment below. Plays or musicals? Uh, also, clock the nails. Eric, look at your oh nails. My God. I just did my own nails for the very first time. I was nervous. I was like on FaceTime with friends. I, I did a horrible job, but like. No, I, I mean, I like them. That does not look horrible. They're black. Thanks. Thanks. They're black nails because I'm in my uh, emo era. <laughs> I'm in love with an emo girl. Because <laughs> tonight will be the night. Sorry. <laughs> I, normally, I would say like that that's the gayest thing you've done, but also that's just become such a fashion thing in general the straights are doing it everyone's mm-hmm. doing it i feel like i get like to t- to piggyback off of that a gay thing i've done is paint my nails in sort of the nice wh- what i love is that i've painted them and i've forgotten that i've painted them out in public like i'll go and reach to do something like i'll like hit something on like a computer screen while i'm paying for something and i'll be like oh they're painted because i feel like when i first started doing them i was so conscious and like insecure and a, a little bit that like people would notice them and call them out whereas now i like just literally forget because no one calls any attention to them whatsoever except to be like love your nails Oh, that's nice. Which is cute. Yeah. That's cute. You're not getting gay bashed on the street for having painted nails. <laughs> not in New York City, no. Not in New York City. Andrew. Oh, yeah. Return Andrew. The gayest thing I did this week. Okay, so I'll paint you the whole story. I <laughs> went to the gym, which already gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a gym that is known to be frequented by gay men because uh, it's in Capitol Hill, which is like the gay area of Seattle, although a lot of straight people live there. Uh, what gym? Yeah. Uh, Pacific gay? Northwest gym. Oh. Mm. I, Jill, I was on your train. I was like, <laughs> Equinox? <laughs> I have a gay friend, will not be naming him, that does work at an Equinox, and there are stories. Wait, I, okay, another gay thing that I did was go to an Equinox for the very first time. Continue, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> so, I'm trying to figure out the parking, and this guy who's a personal trainer walks up, and he's like, oh, this is the code you need to use. I was like, oh, thank you. I thought he was straight. He was very, like, stone-faced, you know, and a lot of times at, like, gyms that have a lot of gay people, the trainers are still straight. And then later, over the weekend, I ran into him at a gay bar. And he said hi to me, and he he's really cute. I was like, "What? You're gay?" 
And then I immediately like came up to him and his friends and he was being very friendly with me, but his friends were giving me a very weird energy. And I was like, there's something going on. His friends are not about this. And later he like told me that he has a boyfriend. Well, sounds like we all had a gay week. <laughs> Love to hear it. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about, but I'm a cheerleader. Woo. Woo! Jill really likes this movie, right? This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Whoa. Bold statement. <laughs> yeah. I'm putting it in the space. Whoa. I had never heard of it. I'm going to put Andrew on blast for a second. We made a talk <laughs> together about lesbian media and I was helping him brainstorm stuff. He's never heard of Carol. <laughs> <laughs> So. Wait, that's <laughs> wait. Okay, wait. Jill. Okay, in regards to Carol, I have this running bit with people where I'm like, I think the most homophobic thing I've ever done is fall asleep during Carol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I did too. Actually, Casey and I were like third date. Casey fell asleep watching Carol. That's my ex girlfriend. Oh my goodness! It was. It's a slow movie. <laughs> You guys aren't really selling it, so I feel less bad about uh, not having heard of it. It's not really something you have to watch. It's just a phenomenon (laughs) to be aware of. Or not aware... It's something to fall asleep during. Everyone needs to fall asleep to Carol once. Yeah, at least once, right? It's a rite of passage. <laughs> For all you brand new mothers, you got to get your baby to fall asleep. Put on Carol. <laughs> oh my god, Eric, what did you think of? But I'm a cheerleader. Um, I have never seen. I've heard of it. Unlike Andrew. I've known about it for like a little bit. I actually feel like I first heard about it like a year or two ago. Like I had it, but it's like an older movie, right? So it came out in 1999. Y2K. Y2K. Yeah, I hadn't, I've only recently started hearing about this movie and I've heard nothing but good things. I hear it's a really good movie. Yeah, I got 1999. I would have been seven. So it makes sense that I never heard of this movie because it's like, who was going to show it to me? (laughs) Like I was closeted until I was 18 years old. So I would not have touched this movie with an 11 foot pole. Mm. I was one. <laughs> I think it definitely probably started as a more of a cult classic and only now is sort of getting more of the recognition it deserves mm-hmm. a la Jennifer's body. But mm. but I, I do think it was definitely pretty, pretty big. Okay. Yeah. And this also has uh, Natasha Lyonne. Famously. Although I don't know if she was I don't know if she was well known yet before this. Well that's what I was gonna say. I I don't think it's fair to call this her breakout role because I didn't know of her until Orange is the New Black. I think it's safe to say that's her breakout role, right? Because then you had Russian Doll come out after that. I would say this is her breakout role and but I'm a cheerleader just because I mean it is what you know, what she started in and what got her to be a, a name, a leading actor. But I'd say she didn't become a household name until Orange is the New Black. Okay, also Natasha Leone. Isn't she not gay? Yeah. She is straighta. Weirdly, I'm generally annoyed when straight actors are cast as gay characters, but Natasha Leon, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I feel like I'm fine with Timothy Chalamet playing gay roles. I'll say it. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> but you know who is gay is Clea Duvall. Okay, cool. Uh, just I like to talk about the context of when this came out too. So oh, yeah. as I said, I was seven. Yeah, this was, I mean, in my mind, the height of homophobia, but that's, I'm sure homophobia is also like around that longer. No, it started in 98, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
in my personal life, it's a height of homophobia because when I was seven is probably around the time when I learned what gay was. I didn't even know it existed before that, which I guess you could argue is more homophobic, just the fact that it was like so silenced, but had no idea that was even a thing. Uh, and then like, I mean, this is, you still got the F slur going rampant. You still got everyone's on the same page that it's a sin, <laughs> which is wild because it's like not that long ago. It feels we're so distant from that mindset now, at least in, you know, the liberal cities where we live that that just feels unheard of but to have it be such an omnipresent widely held opinion it sounds dystopian but that was like less than 30 years ago that's bonkers to think about that's bonkers to think about that the 90s was 30 years ago yeah like at least like the early 90s i think that's one of the reasons why this movie in particular is so groundbreaking because not only is it making a queer film in a time where queer film is not easy or accessible to to find but it also is a happy gay story it's a it's a positive one i mean it definitely has a darkness to it i mean it's about conversion therapy but the idea that you could have something that is that is positive and gay i feel like is still something that you know we're struggling with the the whole trope of kill your gays definitely continues to this day so i think that's a really exciting thing and it's very big for the context that it came out in as well how it came out yeah that's really cool well on that great review of it i'm really excited to watch it so let's launch into it come on cheer girls let's go At this point, we watch But I'm a Cheerleader. Megan, a cheerleader, is sent unwillingly by her family to True Directions, a gay conversion camp. There, she meets fellow campers like Dolph, Clayton, Jan, and Graham. She realizes she is gay and breaks down into tears. The camp follows a five-step program which includes gender role-related tasks and identifying your root. What made you gay? Over a series of nights, Megan starts to fall for Graham, Dolph is kicked out for kissing Clayton, a rival camp sneaks the campers out for a night at a gay club, and Jan quits because she was never gay. Finally, Megan and Graham sneak out for an intimate night together. They are found out, but given a chance to stay in the program. Megan refuses, but Graham decides she cannot risk it. Crushed, Megan finds refuge with the rival camp, where Dolph has also ended up. Together, they crash the camp's graduation and make one last attempt to win their lovers. Woo! We just finished watching! Yay! Okay, that show is actually really, really good. It is bonkers that it only got a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. I will not lead you astray. I was fully expecting it to like have some flaws to merit that rating, but it's just <laughs> like... I, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was a, like all in all a really solid movie. It's an iconic work of cinema. I'll say it. Really well done. It seems like they had a pretty high budget for being a like gay movie in the 90s. Like, whoever made that probably, like, just had the money themselves, maybe? I don't know. Uh, it was $1.2 million, so indie, but, you know, for the time, yeah. they, they made that budget work. So... Uh, I want to start by talking about some important facts. Uh, the main one being that this... So, the director is... Jamie Babbitt. Yeah, the director is Jamie Babbitt, and she's gay. And then the screenplay was written by Brian Peterson. And now the cool thing about Brian is not only is he gay, he has experience with conversion therapy through working at a prison clinic. So he's, like, witnessed this firsthand. Oh. The thing that I think strikes me the most is just how it deals with such a heavy, heavy contrast controversial sad topic yeah and still manages to keep an overall like light tone like it incorporates so much camp and humor and i feel like that actually you know 
is something that is helpful to open the doors to those conversations that are so dark, especially at a time where people didn't want to talk about, you know, gayness at all. Mm-hmm. Like bring it, open the door with laughter so that you can face the things that are hard to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a slapstick parody of a conversion camp. Yeah, yeah. And and really a slapstick parody of, you know, heteronormativity too. <laughs> and, and just gender roles in general. Yeah, yeah. So the, the whole movie is very camp. So you have to go into that like realizing that like all these there's over the top character choices um not they don't often go into like actual believable acting except for moments with the couple between megan and graham between megan natasha natasha leon and uh the other one (laughs) (laughs) okay i think it's really cool that this story covers conversion therapy too because what's so interesting is you know i i joked while watching this that this felt like a campy version of handmaid's tale but the wild thing is handmaid's tale is is completely fiction and like we we've we're so used to seeing like dystopian settings in our fiction but the fact that conversion camps are not fiction they are and they were and probably still are a real thing is wild it's so dystopian i think it's it's interesting because if you compare to the you know the the two most popular other movies about conversion therapy that I can think of, you know, The Miseducation of Cameron Post and um, Boy Erased, Boy Erased, which are both great. I would argue Boy Erased is better, but um, are so, you cannot go into that movie without being ready, you know, I <laughs> I was messed up after seeing that, and obviously it's a, it's a messed up world and in a dark place, but I think it's interesting to me how they, and, but I'm a cheerleader, characters are there's a lot of stereotypes but they're made into real people it's like let's open the door by giving you a funny stereotype and then let's dive into how that person's actually real and has depth and emotion and again yeah just that that laughter and that lightness kind of allows you to then make the space to see the darker parts of that i wonder if the lighter tone of this movie is sort of the reason why it didn't get as good reviews like i wonder if you go back and read the majority of the reviews it's a lot of people saying that they're almost making fun of like a traumatic sort of event that people have endured in their real lives Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just curious if that's where the bulk of the critique is coming from because generally it was like really tight really good script like good pacing knew what it was doing good escalation yeah yeah which then i guess also begs the question like you know maybe if it if it had been just a very a boy erased a, a very serious take on this issue are people more comfortable with that because they're more comfortable seeing you know queer people suffer <laughs> oh my god i mean i mean it sounds like it sounds dark but especially at the time like to have a, a movie where they're like going through this but the whole takeaway is despite it all they still have a sense of humor there's still people with interesting desires and wants and they come out with hope like i feel like that's controversial like well to put it another way like imagine you saw something about a concentration camp for a race that you don't belong mm. to and it was covered in this very slapstick funny haha way mm. you might feel uncomfortable about that like is this treating this serious issue with the respect to deserves i see that i see that i think it definitely informs the story knowing that this was written by a gay man directed by a gay woman and the story concept was by a gay woman and Mm -hmm. like that they had enough experience with what they were working with i mean this is a bold choice right it's a bold choice to take something that's so terrible and handle it in such a campy funny and make it a comedy right 
totally yeah so i can see how that could be misinterpreted and i mean i'll Mm -hmm. even say watching the the part where she breaks down after basically being sentenced to this conversion camp it was kind of jarring for me because it's a really sad moment that's like juxtaposed with like what's so far been a pretty campy movie and it's like real real like oof like she's she has saliva coming out of her mouth like it is ugly crying (laughs) i hadn't thought of this until you brought it up but it does almost remind me of like a, a jojo rabbit where it's like I can see how people would be uncomfortable with that and like how it could rub people the wrong way but I also see how it can make something digestible in a way or like approach it in a in a new perspective so yeah I definitely see how it's (laughs) it is absolutely controversial by nature but it is really well written and I I think they do cover a lot of like I I would have given it a really high rating, right? And I feel like they also, as you said, using this light medium are able to really hit a lot of points. And it's easier to watch. It's easier to watch than something that's like extremely heavy. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it felt like a, a light, fun thing, <laughs> despite it all. In part because, in large part, because they gave it a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the costumes, the production design? Yeah. <laughs> you, you said during Sound the movie off. that you loved it. <laughs> I am obsessed with the just, you know, let's take the the stereotypical, you know, boy is blue, girl is pink, and let is, let's just take it to the extreme <laughs> and move the slider all the way to 100 and have plastic pink outfits and flowers and then an entirely blue car fixing it with entirely blue tools. Like, <laughs> there's no world in which people would actually go to that length, but it really demonstrates kind of what it feels like sometimes when you don't fit in to when certain gender roles make so much sense to everyone else Mm. and it feels so ridiculous like i felt like it did a good job of uh, visualizing that it was so to go off of that point like the costumes production design and jill you were saying this thing about like this like all of these like using all these colors is like monochromatic colors in terms of boys and girls like it's a, a whole other world and i feel like through all the whimsical music that they were sort of playing where it was very dreamlike and storybook like mm-hmm. the way that my film brain is now taking all of these details and reading it is that like they're trying to paint this like sort of conversion therapy space as like a dreamlike world where like mm-hmm. it's just so not real and it's so just unheard of and the campiness is leaning into that storybook aspect of like you can't believe that a world like this exists mm-hmm. yeah. I loved like this all of like the little chimes that they do like the title cards like the whole thing of like step one how to accept your homosexual like <laughs> that's just so one hilarious and two mm-hmm. like just so fun yeah, it was good benchmarks. It helped with the pacing. It kind of like let you know yeah. that you were on track as the audience. It's like, all right, we're moving right along. And also, other than one, say for one title card, it informed me when I had an advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sums, sums up with Eric's Amazon Prime. <laughs> so, East Coast phobic, I'll say it. West Coasters are fine. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, me and Jill didn't have ads. I'm jealous. I did think it was funny too, that whole concept of a root. You know, mm. oh, I'm mm. I'm gay because I have a. My mom got married in pants. Like <laughs> I'm gay because <laughs> I played this sport. Like it's it is 
played as a bit, but that's actually like the real logic that people use. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go into that. I thankfully don't have uh, experience with conversion therapy myself and I haven't seen Boy Erased, but I've just read, you know, some testimonials and Mm. like the whole idea is they, they break you down, erase you from your identity and Mm. then like try and build you back up in their image of what they want you to be. And it's like an extremely traumatic experience. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that come out of conversion therapy, like the suicide rates are uh, high. It's really tragic. And it's, and so some of the things that they kind of show in this, along with like the root, I thought it was so interesting when they brought her family in Mm. and then like involved her family in like, oh, they're, your parents are the reason you're gay because of this experience, this trivial, trivial experience. And just how they're like even working to separate you from your own family, right? Like really stripping you of your identity and like stepping one, step one is admitting you have a problem and just kind of like the, oh, and you're not allowed to wear your normal clothes until you do. So this like really strong negative and positive reinforcement to take their actions to the point that that one girl was like, I'm actually not gay. I never was. And she was just having to go along with it because of she was in this program that so aggressively pushed this agenda. I love that monologue when she was going off and the whole thing she said about like, just because I'm not as pretty as these other girls and like I have short hair and stuff. Y'all think this. I that was such a good little monologue that I forgot about until now until you brought it up Andrew that part I love that for a lot of reasons and one of them I feel like is because this movie touches on in a really interesting way the sort of relationship between gender and sexuality that I feel like is still new and still being sort of explored and discussed um, in queer spaces now and what is really interesting to me is like Jan read to me as a very like trans coded character Mm-hmm. but in that time when it's so you know everything is so black and white it's like oh if you do not fit into this box then you must be lesbian like then you must be this and like that moment was like no actually like <laughs> that's not me and so I, I just thought that was really interesting because obviously it doesn't take it any further but it kind of opens that door of like even when people seem so easy to pin down you don't know them you don't know what they're going through and also like gender identity is not sexuality and <laughs> it is not attraction and and I thought that was like a really bold, interesting, funny yeah. moment. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and and another thing that uh, about like this whole terrible conversion experience is this threat of like what happens if you don't graduate. And it was done in a very campy way, but they had Graham's father being like, if if you don't graduate from this, you're not getting the trust fund, you're cut out from the family. And that tie to money is a real thing that I've like witnessed. Mm. I met a guy on a cruise once. He was there with his rich family and he was gay but he was like yeah my family doesn't know he's like well they do know I told them I was gay and they stopped buying me stuff and then I pretended I was straight and then they started buying me stuff again oh my god yeah using money as a tool to force your child to become what you want them to be yeah it was awful and also that people do really get kicked out like of their homes I cried during this movie the Mm. and the moment that did it for me was like when she gets kicked out of the camp and she has nowhere to go she goes to the home of this rival camp to and they take her in and that moment made me cry just like being Mm. there for for like queer homeless kids who, who are going through this terrible experience and oh that was so powerful um, that was such a nice little late haven moment that came towards the end of the movie. I feel like I we see this a lot in movies where it's like just like complete like I, at least I've noticed this in like gay trauma movies where it's like 
complete shit for like the first 75% of the movie. And then we have like 5% of like a small little haven where it's like, finally our character feels so safe in this moment. And it's like, yeah, like clearly it's so effective, Andrew, like effective in this way. Like it's like an effective like filmmaking tool, maybe not specifically for gay trauma movies, but I definitely have like heard of this tool before. Also, it just, I think says a lot about, you know, there's a lot for our characters to be scared of. Like we talked about with Graham losing financial support support and Megan losing familial support and knowing that they have the support of that other camp and of that you know chosen family it really you know shows what I think a lot of gay people do go through which is having to create their own families having to create their own mm-hmm. communities um, mm-hmm. as a haven from from trauma and nastiness and unaccepting people definitely Jill I'm very curious to pick your great mm-hmm. wow Jill I'm very curious to pick your ga- wow oh, my, <laughs> my gay brain my brain take three take three and action <laughs> Jill I'm very curious to pick your brain about the authenticity of some of what they showed like as lesbian or what it meant to be discovering that you're a lesbian I can speak on the gay side and I, I think another thing that could maybe hurt this movie is like basically all the gay men are shown as extremely effeminate and now the interesting thing about that is if you see being portrayed as effeminate as a negative thing then you could see this as a ne- very negative portrayal of gay men but it's really not the gay men are not portrayed negatively in this movie they're just portrayed very effeminate mm-hmm. and I think it's really interesting when those two get conflated yeah um, and I've seen that on comments of some of my own videos where I'm like oh this like showed gay men authentically and like no this is a very homophobic portrayal it's like no it was just a feminine portrayal and <laughs> some gay men are mean. yeah exactly exactly that's so interesting I hadn't thought about it that right because I did for a moment think like oh is this too narrow of a view of gay men or whatever but that is true like portraying gay men as feminine isn't inherently wrong because feminine femininity isn't wrong it's just that's that's a really interesting point Andrew from my perspective on the the lesbian side I think the one of the really interesting things to me was sort of the portrayal of like compet and that our main character didn't even like recognize or know that she was a lesbian until she had to like acknowledge it because that's very true to my experience I identified as bi for a long time and it took me a long time to even get to that point and it wasn't because I wasn't attracted to women it was because there's just so much with Christian standards which I'm didn't grow up religious but you know that feeds into everything with purity standards just things where it's like oh well as a woman you're not supposed to have sexual thoughts or feelings and you're just supposed to want to be liked by men and so I think they do a really interesting job like she has a boyfriend of two years and she's like no I love him like I'm straight but it's, but then realizes when she like actually speaks about her feelings that no just because you're able to fit into how people expect you to look or you're able to play the part well doesn't mean it's what you feel on the inside which I think is a very common journey for a lot of lesbians and queer women because it is really hard to know those things about yourself when you're not really expected or allowed to have sexual thoughts in the first place and also because mm-hmm. I think you know uh closeness is much less stigmatized in female friendships you know mm-hmm. there's not the like dude are you gay kind of nature of you know girls this yeah. stereotypical slumber party whatever and so I think it it does take a lot longer to like separate the feelings of friendship and admiration 
from affection and and love. And so I I thought that was very accurate. And also um, just the the way that Natasha Lyonne and Cleo Duvall would look at each other and the sort of unspoken language between them felt Mm -hmm. very, very real to like a a first sort of lesbian crush (laughs) um, relationship situation. So I, I saw, I think, some of my like late high school, early college shy kind of self in that a lot. Oh, yeah, the, the love scene is so tender and mm-hmm. it didn't feel like raunchy sex stuff. It felt like a very beautiful moment that they shared when they kissed and, and when they were physical with each other. It, it really felt nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was watching some voyeuristic portrayal of what, you know, lesbian intimacy is like. I felt like I was seeing a very vulnerable, beautiful, loving moment. I I teared up during that. I don't know if you saw because it was just it's so gentle. And I think sort of traditionally a lot of you know homophobic just ways of thinking is that queerness and gayness is always aggressive and animalistic and and just rawly mm. sexual. And I get you know it can be anything can be, but but having that vulnerable like gentle side to a queer relationship is I think something that isn't seen as much. And and I think that's really important and valuable because it separates yeah. it from the thinking of like, oh, this is wrong. This is this is dirty and bad. <laughs> Jill, I want to go back to your point you were making because I totally had forgotten about the beginning where it's, it, it's interesting because it feels like when she's like has the confrontation from like everyone in her life mm-hmm. of everyone telling her that she is a lesbian. It's just so interesting because it feels like you, the audience, like we kind of don't know that that, like we get a little bit of clues like throughout like leading up to that um moment of confrontation but we generally don't see it coming until it's actually happening yeah and i really liked what you said about it in regards to bisexuality and just biphobia and people telling you that you're one or the other and when i think about it as like growing up as a gay child as always having sort of an effeminate voice and clocking that from like my earliest, earliest days and people, (laughs) the earliest days of middle school telling me that I'm gay. It's like, yeah, like so much of like effeminate gay men is like being told what you are before you even know what it is. Mm -hmm. So it feels almost as if you're being led down the path of homosexuality by simply other people telling you that you are gay. And so it's kind of like, is this something that I came to on my own or like did just enough people in my life tell me to go this way? And then I actually ended up loving. It's just such an interesting way in which like, like society loves to tell you what you are Mm -hmm. and yeah, I just love that point, and I really want to give you a special shout out for that. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> I love you, my sister, girlfriend, <laughs> my partner in life. <laughs> oh my god, they warned me they were gonna do this. <laughs> Smooch, I just kissed you. Oh god, they're kissing. You can't see it because we're recording, <laughs> but they are kissing so between New York and California. What's that joke where it's like, if these states were sheets, I'd fold them so I could be closer to you? <laughs> Good God. I have not heard that. <laughs> I was well, it's true, like, babe. Hey there, Dill Eric. What's the Plain white gay. <laughs> I want to quickly mention that RuPaul is in this. RuPaul <laughs> Charles. Say that. their RuPaul. full name. RuPaul, RuPaul Charles. Charles. And he is a man in this. Like, he is... I just normally default to female pronouns with RuPaul. You're not going to when you see this movie. Uh-huh. It's like, whoa. No. 
His character's name is Mike. <laughs> so funny. He plays this jacked young mechanic. I'll convert you to straight. And I know there's a whole... We don't have time to go into Rue today. That will be when we discuss Drag Race. And fracking. But Rue is teaching them how to be straight men. And he's teaching them to like chop wood. And the whole thing is so campy. And I literally said, I was like, this feels like it's a sketch in RuPaul's Drag Race. Like that's how over the top... Literally. Campy it is. Because the guys are just like so gay. They're like, ah, ah. So you have to go into it knowing it's camp. Otherwise, you're going to be like, what the heck? (laughs) Where is this going? Yeah. Uh, If you watch this movie and you are like, if you don't understand the concept of camp, you are dumb. (laughs) This is like exhibit A in like the PowerPoint that is camp. (laughs) This is what the Met Gala should have (laughs) been. Honestly. I will say my one critique of the movie is the end. She's been rejected from the camp and grandma's about to graduate. And so she devises this plan with the voice of Prince Zuko. Yeah, the character's name is Dolph. And okay, Eric, we need to talk about how you clocked that immediately. Oh my <laughs> God. Like the Let character it, uh... Dolph like stand he's one of the gay men he like stands up and introduces himself all he says is his name and eric goes oh my god that's the voice of prince zuko as someone who had a crush on prince zuko (laughs) while watching that little program i can spot his voice anywhere (laughs) after seeing the voice actor behind prince zuko i do not blame you oh my god dante bosco he is a looker absolutely his little relationship i was obsessed with in this movie i was (laughs) like please i want more kissing from these two (laughs) okay her and Dolph develop this plan they just go and ruin the graduation from this straight conversion camp by like driving up and (laughs) she literally just tries to pull Graham from the aisle as she's walking down the graduation aisle and it's like where did you see this going (laughs) yeah I liked that they brought back the cheer I thought that was really cute and yeah like corny in a cute way but I agree it felt I feel like it could have been a little bit more meaningful because we complain about this in uh, straight romance movies too where there's the straight guy will make some big romantic gesture. I won't take no for an answer. And it's like, well, dude, you kind of have to. <laughs> like, yeah. if the answer is no, just making a bigger, grander gesture shouldn't solve that. Exactly. That's just you not respecting boundaries. That's a really good point. Like, Graham's character has made the choice. I'm going to deny myself of who I am so that I can have this financial support and this familial support. And Megan in that moment is like really forcing Graham to make such a public, such a drastic and, and big decision that she might obviously it's a movie but like might not be ready to make that decision so I, I agree I feel like there could have been a little bit more thought put into how to tie it up <laughs> but it is nice that it has a happy ending because yes. Megan goes and puts on a cheerleader outfit and does a cheer for her saying like be with me which would be so cringe if it didn't work <laughs> but it did it, it, it felt like the moment in Love, Simon where he gets in the bear costume oh. and like <laughs> tries oh, to ask God. her it was, it was that same energy it's just this time that it worked 100% like that's literally the only difference but Bram like runs after Megan and they kiss and live happily ever after which is nice and at least they ended the movie on time and not three hours like some movies coming out today and there was a really sweet little post-credit scene, very quick, but we see Megan's parents at a PFLAG meeting. Yeah. And that that is sweet because I feel like until that moment, we kind of just accept that she's never going to have contact with her family again. So <laughs> even though it's, you know, just kind of a throwaway thing, that, that was also made me smile. Yeah. I remember when my, when during my college orientation, you know, I had told my parents I was planning to be out in college because I wasn't in high school and my dad attended an orientation event for parents of 
of gay children. Oh, yeah, God. it was really nice. And I think it was really helpful for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really helpful for me to know that he did that for me. And like, he would like sometimes mention things he learned in the meeting to me, like in, in his attempts to coach me, because he was trying to figure out how to advise me as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So seeing that reflected in this in this movie, which you really don't see a lot. Yeah, that did really hit well with me. I liked that. That's such a beautiful story, Andrew. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll start with my final thoughts. I think this movie is remarkably underrated based on the ratings that it's seen. I think it's also aged surprisingly well, seen, it was, seen as it was made in 1999 and centered on gay people. And it, like, there's so much room for that to have aged so poorly. And I think it aged really well. And in fact, I think it outperforms a lot of some of the like lesbian cinema from what I've heard that we see today and avoid some of the pitfalls and complaints I've heard about other lesbian pieces of cinema. And it's a romp and a good time. And I enjoyed watching the gay characters in it. Yeah, I don't know if I could put it better than Andrew. I think you summed up my thoughts pretty well. It ages surprisingly well. It explores some really like challenging, beautiful things while also maintaining a really hilarious framework. And it's very watchable. It's for me something that I can rewatch so many times and, and not get tired of and always find a little something new. And yeah, I think I think it's definitely just as worth watching now as it as it was when it came out and deserves more respect. Work. I would say this movie is an hour and 25 minutes. If you eliminate the credits, it's an hour and 13 minutes. Girl, please. That's so short. Give it a watch. (laughs) Give it a watch. You'll love it. All I'm going to say. And on that note, thank you for coming. And Jill, thank you so much for for guessing with us. Thank you. You're amazing. I had so much fun watching this with you. Thank you all for having me. I love you both for doing. You will be back. You will be back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right we end every episode by chanting gay <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready gay 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 gay